woke up in a lucid dream. Now we're hunting for the shards. We might be an oddball team, but at least we've got no What's up, everybody? This is Pedro, the GM and creator of Worldwalkers. In our last episode, the Worldwalkers came face-to-face -face with the Brotherhood of Iron. During their exchange, the group learned that the Brotherhood had apprehended a master gunslinger. What's worse, could be Ertleby or Tin's master. The group decided to focus on the task at hand and find Ertleby's son, Torrance, while waiting for Brummelstone to return to the group. As the nightmares approach and the jump rail's departure gets closer and closer, the group begins to feel the pressure from all sides. We join the Worldwalkers now as they wander the streets working on a next course of action. You have walked the equivalent of a couple uh, blocks away from um, the Brotherhood of Iron, and you're kind of mingling through the streets, and you turn the corner and you're kind of walking more towards the marketplace, and as you turn the corner, you run directly into uh, Brummelstone and Claiborne. Now, oh, Brummels, and they—they're oh, kind hey. of—they're kind of like, I, if unless I'm uh, putting words in your mouth, I would assume that you have a hurried look in your eyes that you're, uh, yes, slightly rushed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Brummelstone, what that plan B? What really startles you <laughs> when you come around the corner is you run smack dab into yourself. Did you say I run into myself? You run into Brummelstone, Master Dwarf. And he's Lassa like, well, excuse me, sir. And... Uh, um, what <laughs> kind of magic is this? Faso um, quickly motioned for like Tin to like kind of cover them and kind of carry them off of public eye. <laughs> I found really a new brother of Brummelstone, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need him anymore. Okay, um, almost without thinking, almost without thinking, Brummelstone looks over and he's like, and he nods at you like, that's right. <laughs> no, Vasa would already oh! be making gestures for everybody to, like, get off into, a, like, a private corner out of the public eye. Yeah. Tin's gonna do, like, a crab walk with her arms out. So we're, like, sidling off stage, right? Um, yeah. Into an alley or something? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's up yeah. to you guys. You want to try and go into some kind of... This unpopulated corner of the market, or whatever. Okay. Yeah, you kind of push your guys. You, you push your way into an alley, and you feel pretty well concealed back here. The second we do, Ertleby's going to reach forward and grab Brummelstone's face and like start oh. squeezing it to ah. see if he's a drunk. Uh, if, see if he's a doppelganger, and she's going to say, "Are you real? Are you real?" As she does this. <laughs> Wait, which which Brummelstone are you grabbing? Because they look identical. Oh no! <laughs> I was—I believe I was wearing a cloak. <gasps> That's right. This one looks different. He's got a uh, a different cloak on. All right, that one. <laughs> Grandmother, if you do not let me. Are go. you real? <laughs> and then Bremelstone looks over and ends uh, at Roberto, and he's like, "Do I have to stop?" No. <laughs> you can keep going. That's fine. He's so salty. <laughs> he just got. Yeah. He, he, he uh, taps you on the arm and he's like, thank you. Just, uh... Thanks, Steve Roberto. <laughs> Roberto's like, I haven't decided yet. <laughs> Who is this fine looking man? 
Claiborne kind of giggles a little bit. Vasa would sort of look at Brummelstone and say, well, Master Dwarf, we have quite a story for you. Do you have a story for us? What would I be without a story? But first, I come bearing gifts. And he would reach into his bag, and he would hand over to Vasa three daggers. The daggers are of incredible craftsmanship. And when you pick them up, they feel lighter than they should. Like, they look to be of a quality that you have rarely seen. But the heft makes them almost not feel real. And in your experience with your particular background, you know these are magical. Like other people have to kind of do like mag- like uh, arcane checks. You're so experienced in the kind of stuff that, you know, in your background, this is exactly what it feels like to pick up a, a masterwork magical weapon. Uh, yeah, Vasa's eyebrows would sort of go up instantly. And when she looks at Bramostone again, it was with a combination of respect, but also great interest. And she sort of hefts when she says, a story indeed, as she's sort of like flipping the dagger up and down. Um, then she would look to the other Brimblestone and sort of say, uh, perhaps we should return to your quarters. That is fair. And then he kind of walks off. No, 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 come back, come back, come back, come back. And he turns around. You can't go out looking like that. We can't have two dwarves identical. He looks over at Roberto, he's like, I'll oh, listen to her. Just... <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, Brummelstone looks over at Brummelstone and is like, perhaps you could make use of that hood that you just acquired. Um, Vasa would sort of look at Brummelstone, the real Brummelstone, and just be like, make a motion, like, we'll deal with this later, and sort of like, motion for the hood to come up. Uh, I would be weary. Uh, looking like me probably is not the best move for this man. Whoever he is, or whatever he is. Oh boy. Well, then we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But right now, I think we should all get away from here. Yes, that sounds fair. Thank you. You guys didn't piss off the Brotherhood of Iron, did you? We should go. No, did you? No, no, but I did make friends with the Syndicate, so, you know, it's cool. (laughs) So, I would sort of like scuttle along at this point, I think. (laughs) But Brummelston looks at you and he's like, a story indeed. And he kind of starts running almost. <laughs> As Vasa hurries after, she's like, oh, that's subtle. Nobody will look at him twice. Dwarf charging through the masses. Yeah, he doesn't, he's not composing himself very well. He clearly has Brimostone's sneaking ability. Yes. <laughs> so you guys kind of twist and turn through different alleyways and go out into the open only when you have to. And eventually you make your way down the same alley that you had made your way to the first time that you came here. And Brummelstone and uh, Claiborne have not seen this. When he walks up to a certain part of the alley, he moves this large metal container that's in the way. And then kind of brushes his hand over the wall until he seems to find a door. And then just pushes it open. And it leads into a small... Uh, kind of dark and dingy hallway with several different doors. And then he walks over to a specific door, um, grabs his key, unlocks it, and walks in. When you walk in Brummelstone, what you see is a very small one-room um, living quarters that has a collection of materials that um, either this is a person of eccentric taste Maybe he's cobbled everything together because he's just the kind of life he has to live. Or maybe it means something a little different. But you're not quite sure what to make of this hobbled together mess of a room. Also, there's a broken bed. There's also a broken <laughs> bed. 
when you walk in, Brummelstone says, uh, please make yourself at home anywhere but the pile. I mean, you can sit in the pile, but I would assume one would not find that comfortable. And he walks away. Uh... So Brummelson would be like, what is happening? We need to find Tompkins, and we need to get out. Why? We've not made friends on our journey. He would look over to Claiborne and kind of being like, I don't know if that's the right wording. And she's like, that is the exact wording. And she kind of just like rubs your shoulder. Brummelstone's right. We have to get out of here. And we have to get out of here really fast. Vasa says, surely you can spare 15 seconds to tell us exactly why we're running and who from. And she looks at Brummelstone. Yeah, uh, my understanding is they're called the Syndicate, and they seem to be a thieves' guild. Let's just say those daggers were pricier than they should have been. <laughs> Claiborne just kind of laughs with you. Like, you get this really weird, most of you get the feeling that they're kind of inside jokey right now. I don't know how uh, Roberto takes that, but everybody else kind of yeah. sees them kind of like, <laughs> right, right. Ugh. Yeah, well, Vasa would sort of look down at the daggers, and she'd say, Well, last I saw you, you two seemed to be wandering off on a merry little jaunt. How exactly did such a lighthearted venture turn nearly priceless magical daggers into my possession and have an entire thieves' guild on our heels? Uh, Bravo, by the way, Mr. Mr. Dwarf. But still, <laughs> I need to know. Brummelstone yeah, kind of nods uh, uh, instinctually. Yeah. First off, he's going to need a different name. <laughs> Bremelstone walks over and kind of leans against, and he's kind of eyeing the whole thing with the same kind of apprehension that Roberto does. Yeah, I've, uh, I'm hasty. I'm hasty to talk too much. I don't know this other me here that I've, I seem to be have been replaced. I can't believe <laughs> you. I can't believe you. You. You aunt, oh man, I can't remember her name. You fresh prince the bell aired me. The mom on the fresh prince <laughs> mid season. <laughs> but if you say he's a trusted friend, then I can give you the long and short of it. Uh That would be for the best. Quinn, why don't you step out for a second? We are in his house, he seems rude. <laughs> he's a friend of Torrance. Which means we should probably only trust him like 40%. You can put 60% of your body outside the room and keep 40% of it inside the room. That seems bad. Keep, the, fair keep to the, me. the head out of the room. And he kind of looks at you guys and he looks over at Roberto. Don't have to do anything, man. He's going to. He folds his arms and leans back and he just kind of like nods you, your way. It's your house. Your rule. <laughs> Alright, so Vas is gonna go <laughs> Jesus Christ. Vas is gonna go over. She's gonna clamp two hands very tightly over fake Bremelstone's ears. And while those are clamped tight, she would look directly at Bremelstone. She says, We were here looking for uh, grandmother's son. Grandmother's son was stabbed down by two very richly well looked gentlemen in a in a tavern. We uh, we managed to settle things peacefully because they thought they, could, they had slain the son. son turned out to be a doppelganger who I am currently covering the ears, ears of. We also encountered the Brotherhood of Iron, and they have possibly a gunslinger master locked up in the cellar, which we will not pursue at this moment because we only have one day to get on the boat to go on the trip to wherever the other shard is. Yours? And your Torrance is still yeah. missing. Do you take your hands off his ears now? No. Uh, he looks up at you and he's like, your hands are cold and offer no comfort. 
Uh, Vasa <laughs> tightens her grip just a little bit. I like to imagine there's a little bit of like a, a nail. Well, like he he kind of pushes your hands off and walks outside. He's like, I don't need to stand for this. And he's kind of fixing his beard and making sure that he looks dwarfly and walks out. Yeah. And Vasa jerks his thumb after the departing brother says, yeah, that, that's the doppelganger, Quinn. I've gathered. His name is Quinn? <laughs> no, his name is Brummelstone. Uh, <laughs> first off, I, I like to call him brother. <laughs> <Yeah>. Claiborne <laughs> kind of gives you a weird look. By the way, Master Dorf, your brother there is feeling abandoned, acting like a child. It's understandable. I think it's the first night. It's the first time we've been apart. I apologize, brother. But where I went to was a magical shop where I was able to acquire Acquiesce. Brummelstone doesn't actually know the word. Uh, Acquire. <laughs> Acquire. Yeah. <laughs> get. Uh, get. Yeah. Oh, I see uh, you got Vasa something, but you didn't get me something. Look, it was not by chance like that. I did find some nice gauntlets for you, but you have to be there to be fitted. I apologize. While we were there, some men tried to steal some daggers. We chased them down and I got them back, and they were given to us as a thank you. Apparently, these men were attached to a group called the Syndicate. He looks over to Claiborne and be like, I'm getting all this right, right? Uh, yeah, um, so far. Yeah. So then we went to go get something they to eat. pat you on the back. Yeah. Went to go get something to eat. About nine of them jumped us. Um, those nine are no longer living, or at least are very parted from their weapons. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't quite there, and he would like maybe possibly open his shirt to show covering of wounds and bandages. He, yeah, when he does that, you see that Brummelstone actually is completely bandaged up all over his torso, and even then, there's still that blood that's coming through the uh, the bandages, and he's even got some, like, um, some scars. Like, he's been healed up, it looks like. Someone took care of him, but it wasn't magical, so there are scars forming. When The moment Roberto sees this, he actually goes directly into protection mode again and like kind of like grabs grabs Brummelstone kind of like sits him down on the ground and just waves his hands around does a little bit of arcane energy and just casts what, cure is, wounds. <laughs> what is my spell called? Cure Wounds? Cure Wounds, yes. Yeah, so you, any, that I don't think, it, are you at full hit points? I was at, oh. I, I was six short. Yeah, yeah, so we don't, let's not roll it, let's just say he got the full six. Okay. Um, but the problem is that you do that and you watch a little bit more of his strength return, but it does nothing for his scars and wounds. Like you didn't heal him in time. No, he didn't get curative magic in time. So that stuff's there. Rest easy, brother. These are mistakes I have made. So I will carry these wounds with me. The ending thing is that the syndicate seems to be pretty widespread and information about the two of us will be traveling quickly. So they'll be on the lookout for us. Which is why I think your doppelganger, Gwyn, did you say? Glyn? <laughs> Perhaps Glyn? may choose a more uh, less wanted form. <laughs> I would hate <laughs> anyone die on my behalf. I was like, yeah, um, that's when Claiborne speaks up and she says, we've taken out a, a, a pretty substantial number of the syndicate in plain view, and they're not going to stop until they find us. So there's a jump rail to coast in tomorrow that we need to basically just hide. We, I don't think we like this is a I was ready to try to leave the city for a little bit and kind of hang out on the outskirts. But this is a pretty good little hovel you guys have here. We should probably just stay here, do nothing and then sneak out first thing tomorrow when the train uh, when the jump rail is ready. 
Yeah, we have tickets for the jump rail. Oh, so, you got good, good. I I yeah. already have one too, and I yeah. I do you have one for Brummelstone? I didn't get them. Anyone get me a ticket? We got him one. We got him. <sighs> okay, I had one before <laughs> I left. Like I so as Brummelstone is explaining this. Like Vasa has never looked. L- she gets like gradually less and less happy, and at the end of it, she's just kind of. She looks so defeated. Her shoulders are down, and she kind of looks off and just makes a motion, like some Her help looks here. At Vasa and says, "I knew we should have shot those guys." Vasa says, "I just, I've been trying, been trying so much." <laughs> yeah, because yeah, uh, we encountered the syndicate also in the restaurant and they were the ones who tried to kill um tolerance yes real quick i should note too this is the this is like the first time you guys have heard someone call them the syndicate i believe like Um, you knew like you encountered some individuals and vasa surmised that they look like they're part of some kind Mm -hmm. of situation criminal yeah, we're greatly assuming that those are them. Those yeah, are the but like, group. yeah, exactly, exactly. But I just wanted to kind of point that out because like Brummelstone yeah. keeps calling them a very specific name, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that I think is the first time that you guys would have any knowledge of them more than just okay. And if I remember yeah. correctly, it was it was just kind of we assumed they were a syndicate. They seemed too organized to really be anything else. Maybe there's like a sub syndicate. Were you well dressed? No, Uh, Claiborne speaks up on that. It's like, no, I mean, they seem to, I I mean, from what I hear, they walk in all kinds of life, right? So the ones, we were down in the lower city, and they were dressed like they belonged in the lower city, if you catch my drift. And most of you don't, (laughs) because you don't know (laughs) Cosmic. That's when when he would be like, they were kind of dressed like, and he would point at himself, like, a little dingy. <laughs> a little. Oh, yeah, and she shows her cloak off, too. Yeah, she's like, yeah they wore stuff like this. Uh, Vasa would, after a moment, she said, uh, Master Dwarf, have you studied these daggers? Do you know what their magic is? Oh, I've, I've been on the receiving end of them. You throw them, and they'll come back to you and leave a pretty nice scar on their way back out. Oh. Yeah, Clay, thought, Claiborne says, thought, yeah, it seems like what the um the nomad said was that those daggers forcibly ripped themselves out of somebody on the return. Can confirm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you might be like right here. Um. The other thing is we need Tompkins. And Claiborne says, "Yeah, yeah, that seems like a a true statement." Yeah. Why? What, uh, what has changed? Half, halflings are the ones that walk between the worlds. And we left awesome. him by himself. Don't worry, Raven, too fast, too furious is sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's uh, when Tompkins walks in the room, right? Well, Basso say, all right, we have the tickets to leave in a, in a day, but Master Dwarf, as mentioned, Grandmother is currently searching for her son, which some individuals may be pursuing. Uh, the son is of the unsavory type and may have gotten himself into trouble. We have no idea where he is. But I believe, and she takes a look at Ertleby, I believe Grandmother will not budge unless we find evidence of Torrance dead or alive. Family is important, I understand. Can I come in yet? (laughs) Uh, Ertleby will have been pacing back and forth through all of this because she's still worried about Torrance. Um, And she's been thinking really hard about how this all can work. 
because she knows that the nightmares are getting closer and closer as as our dreams have foretold and the syndicates on you and that the the thing leaves tomorrow um so she would she would stomp over to the door and open it for quinn and be like only if you have something to contribute Th- thank you grandmother you and he walks in and he goes and stands by Roberto. And he, uh, Lasso would actually look to uh, second Brummelstone or Quinn and then very seriously kind of consider him before looking to the group and sort of voicing a suggestion. I believe perhaps Quinn can help us. Won't you, Quinn? And he's just giving that stone door face. He's like, anyway, wait, me? Yeah, you. And you see him like try to like shake off for a second. <laughs> And then he thinks about it for a second, and he's looking at Roberto, and then he kind of sighs, and then you see him kind of shift back into his true doppelganger form, which is, for you, Wesley, uh, kind of gaunt, kind of grayish pale with large, white, kind of dead eyes, and um, just really shabby clothing. And then he looks... I mean, he really looks upset for just a half second, like like he's losing something, and then he kind of pulls himself back together and shakes it off a little bit. Then he looks around and he says, "Uh, yeah. So what do you what do you need from me? I mean, I want to find Torrance just like you guys. I mean, not as obviously no disrespect, not as much as you, uh, Ertleby, but uh, what, what can Vasa I do?" Would go over. Vasa would go over and lay a hand on his shoulder. And very seriously, with no sort of humor or sarcasm voice, say, say um, Quinn, yeah. we have no friends in this city. If anything, it looks like everyone, every significant group, is against us. At least for today, it would seem, we are very much like you, quite alone and in need of help. You and your kind have the ability to infiltrate any area, and I assume you are, you are spread out across the city. Could you call upon your kind to help us at least navigate the dangers, possibly find out what they are planning for us? I mean, they're all here. <laughs> this is where we live. And he kind of points out to like the area, that, like that hallway. He's like, they're all right here. We can get them together right now. And Vasa would look to the group and say, do you think we could use their help? Excuse me, absolutely. Yes. yes. It'll be would do like a slow, serious nod. Then let us step into the hallway, I guess, and try and call these. Yes, let me talk um, to them. I wish to ask the help of your doppelganger friends. Uh, uh, Vasa would first, um, still keeping a hand on Quinn, but it's a very gentle hand. It's not in any way commanding. It's almost like a friendly, um, inclusive hand. Mm -hmm. She says, Quinn, can we trust your kind? And he he kind of takes a step back, like, well. We can. And then he looks over to Ertleby and he's like, thank you. Let me talk to everybody, please. Also take a step back away from Quinn, releasing him. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be right back. And he kind of just moseys on out. Like, his whole, like, <clears throat> he's not abrasive uh, as he was earlier. He's like, all right, cool. Let me go do this. And he kind of walks out. So, uh, it takes a few minutes, you hear him knocking on doors, and you can't hear what he's saying, but he's talking to people, and then, eventually, he comes back to the room, and he says, alright, they're willing to meet you in the, uh, 
<laughs> what we jokingly call uh, the hospitality chamber. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Turtle B would follow right. there. Yeah, so you go down the hallway, and then you hang a right, and you keep going, um, and then eventually you find... It's just a large room. There's a couch they probably found somewhere. There's a couple tables that don't match they've pushed together. And this seems to constitute the uh, living court, the um, the community room of uh, what they call Thornwood Estates, the place that they live in. Tin sits on the couch. Right away. <laughs> all right, yeah, so you take a seat. Um, there's a couple chairs, and you see more and more doppelgangers, and they all have the kind of, uh, they don't have great clothing, unfortunately. Like, they're coming in their in their real forms. They come in, they're bringing chairs, and they're coming in to stand or sit. And eventually, you get to the point where there's probably about 15 of them. Some of them are kids. Brummelstone is uh, fascinated by them all. He's just, just, like, muttering with beautiful creatures. Uh, Ertleby would look for the highest place she could prop herself up on, so maybe the table. Um, she would look out into the, the group of the doppelgangers, uh, and she would see that there are children amongst them. Children doppelgangers. So, so cute and gray and demonic. <laughs> and and her, her eyes would grow bigger, and a single tear would well up in them pour out slowly across her cheek and then she would um, straighten out her cloak and look, looking very seriously at the, the doppelgangers assembled she would, she would say um, clearly quoting something hope is this thing with feathers that Perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. The sweetest in the gale is heard, and sore must be the storm that could abash. And here she pauses for a second, looking at the children. The little bird that kept so many warm. She stops clearly, um, wanting that to signify something to them. And uh, when you finish that. Every single doppelganger, except for the kids, stands up. Like, full. if they were sitting, they're standing up. Um, they all... There's this kind of wave of emotion that hits them all. Some of them look at you confused or surprised. Some of them actually start to kind of get a little bit of a... Kind of tear up a little bit. And then, like, there's one kid who's um, kind of leaning against the wall. And hit the its parent looks at him and is like, You stand up when she talks. And, like... Slowly, all the kids are brought to their feet, too. In contrast, Vasa behind Ertleby's bag would have a, what the fuck does that mean, sort of look <laughs> on her face? Yep. <laughs> but she's keeping it to herself. Like if Rumblestone was sitting down, he would be like, oh. oh like, she works. doesn't get why the group is so moved, but she's like, if it works, oh, like, okay. <laughs> yeah, and Quinn looks shocked that this entire time he was with you, and then you say that, like, he's dumbfounded but then he also kind of gains that that level of like uh importance and respect and they're all just the room is silent roboto so, breaks the silence is like what the hell does that mean vasa <laughs> <laughs> vasa would like nudge him hard and be like Shh, she's having a moment yeah, yeah that would be brummel stone's reaction <laughs> <laughs> Ertleby would spread her arms out 
like gesturing towards them and say, friends, your allies are among you. Your allies are everywhere. And today I ask you to be my ally. I saw my son get murdered today. It wasn't my son. In fact, it was Quinn who had graciously stood in for him at his office. I look at you now as parents and ask for your help. If I stay in Kosnik much longer, I could bring to it great destruction. But if I leave without knowing my son is at least safe, and ideally getting the hell out of Kosnik because he's pissed some people off, I would never <laughs> forgive myself. Will you help me look through Kosnik for torrents? And one of them steps forward and is like, absolutely, whatever you need. Um, uh, Ertleby would, would gesture for him to come towards her, him or her, so she could wrap her hands around it. And she would, she would like squeeze it and say, thank you. Um, and this might be something better described than, than acted out, but she wouldn't have like a list she could give them of places that he would maybe be hiding out, including his ex-wife's house, his girlfriend's house. Um, and like a few other places she maybe asked Quinn for, um, Mm -hmm. in case there was any, any chance of him being in one of these hidey holes. Um, and she, she'd ask them to scan it since, since at least right now we are kind of personas non gratis. <laughs> and Quinn steps forward and um he says, uh, feel free to get what you need from me. And he changes into Torrance again. And one by one the doppelgangers do the same thing that they did uh to Roberto. They put their hands on his like put a hand on his head or on his shoulder, and then you kind of watch them seem to take something in. And um for Ertleby, especially, I think you know a little bit more about the doppelgangers, right? Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yes. Um, the what you see them like Quinn is offering up the entirety of himself. Like what you guys have probably figured out, right? Is that kind of like a little bit of like telepathy or whatever it is they do to kind of read the memories. So, like, for Quinn to do this means that he's opening himself up and letting them essentially read him like a book. He has no control over what they're going to see. So, one by one, they go in and they get what they need, and then they walk out and start looking for Torrance. Well, before they they walk out, so while they're sort of, um, one, passing around the list and also absorbing things from Quinn, Vasa would have quickly leaned down into Ertleby's ear and says, we need them also to... Uh, be on the lookout for the syndicate's plan for us. We need to stay one step ahead of any potential uh, vengeance they have for Brummelstone or us. Can you ask that of them? Uh, to Ertleby would Ertleby would uh, like express this as like like we believe the ones after my son are the syndicate. Oh, if you hear word of their next actions, please, this will help me find him. How many? How many of the doppelgangers gathered in the room are children? Uh, there's about six of them. So you've got about thirteen doppelgangers who are going to be able to go out into the city, and then the other ones. Uh, Quinn's going to stay with 
Right. So the children aren't going. No, no, no. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, one by one, they get what they need and they walk out. And as they walk out, you can see them shifting into different forms. Like they, it's almost kind of startling. Uh, If you were of a more paranoid type, or if you were the kind that was naturally suspicious of something like the doppelgangers, it would possibly disturb you to watch them shape into all walks of life in Cosmic. Like, they truly are integrated everywhere, and people probably don't know that. And they they go from everywhere to, you know, the, the looks of nobility to severely underserved poverty and everything in between, walking out and starting to scour the city. Oh, before they leave... Can I yell out? Has anyone did anyone see Tim's wallet? <laughs> yes. Um, they kind of stop and look, and they said, "Well, all right, never mind." <laughs> try and try and try and pickpocket ninety gold. That's all I need. <laughs> just on your way, like it's just a small thing. <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, after they all leave, uh, Quinn's taking the kids to um, a, a different apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're just all kind of left with Ertleby standing above you all in the empty room. So, Grandma, what does that mean? What what you said mean? What is it? Is it like a childhood doppelganger poem? Things incog. What? Much worse once upon a time, and they're not great now. When they were much worse, I was a member of an organization that, that among other things, campaigned for the equality of doppelgangers. Uh, we tried to get them into phallus or phallus. I can't remember now that I'm old which way it is. But at the time, the city was, and probably, let's be honest, still is, a little too backwards to embrace them. We failed, but the doppelgangers still remember our efforts. This was my way of letting them know I was a member of the League. Vasa would speak and she says, Grandmother, you are... Full of secrets. In a very sort of admiring way. Like she was totally, <laughs> she may not have gotten it, but she um, recognizes the moment of charisma that Ertleby had over the group and she's just kind of nodding and be like, oh, grandmother. And <laughs> I haven't <laughs> even cooked pie for you yet, but wait till I do that. Then you'll learn <laughs> just how many secrets I have. Roberto kind of mutters under his breath to Tim's, like, yeah, she calls us robots. <laughs> She's very pro-organic matter. Thanks for listening to episode 28, So Cute and Gray and Demonic. If you'd like to hear episode 29 now, consider becoming a member over at patreon.com slash worldwalkers. Not only will you be able to hear the next episode right now, you'll also gain access to exclusive episodes, early access to lore and art, and even the Worldwalkers campaign guide. In the campaign guide, you'll find the custom races and classes we use for the podcast. You'll also gain access to new backgrounds such as the Tavern Aficionado and the Gunslinger, the same background that Ertleby and Tin use. 
If you want more World Walkers in your life, subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us via Twitter at World Walkers Pod, Facebook at Facebook.com slash World Walkers Pod, or Instagram at World Walkers Pod. Thanks to Kevin McLeod over at Incompetech.com for the music you heard in today's episode, and I also want to thank Sirenscape, who provided us with the sound effects you heard today. Visit them at Sirenscape.com. Okay, so we're going to go around and do our word of the day, or whatever you want to call it, so I can sync everybody up pretty easy. So, Jane, what is your word? Squiggles. All right. Megan, what is your word? Butts. (laughs) (laughs) Is it always butts? Yeah. (laughs) It's always butts. I thought I would go with something original today. (laughs) (laughs) I think you said that last time. Yeah, but I put a dramatic pause in front of it. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Olivia? Airbnb. (laughs) Olivia, what's your word? Help me. (laughs) Taken. Kidnapped. (laughs) Ransom. Desperate. She starts reading off the address. 1714. 913 Blenheim. Get here now. SOS. (laughs) Olivia, what's your word? And it's just Morse code. Right, yeah, right at that moment, actually, uh, that's when Brevelstone doppelgangs into someone new, and you find out he too was a doppelganger the whole time. <laughs> no, uh, Everyone reveals their doppelgangers. Yeah. <laughs> We're all doppelgangers. If you're a doppelganger and I'm a doppelganger, then who's driving the ship? <laughs> <laughs> Just like cue the like 50s sitcom. Well, um, no, nobody has yet. You okay. no, so it's fun. Uh, yeah, that's true. No one has yet. You know, um, I'm gonna help you, you guys. <laughs> Secrets. Secret typing man. <laughs> Tin has shot all of you in the back. This turns. <laughs> Tim just starts rolling dice and you're like, Megan, what are you doing? Nobody wants me. <laughs> I'm free. <laughs> oh, so wow. yeah, describe Torrance. Perhaps I could remember him. Handsome. Very handsome. He was kind. Loved by all.